Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? Yes, it is Thursday this week. Yeah, there's no um, there's no hunting for escaped kittens. Um, although you will hear towards the latter end of this episode, the other kitten decided to jump out the kitchen window and then come back in through the kitchen door uh, mid-record. So you'll hear slight panic in my voice where I... Uh, leave the dining room setting and lug it into the kitchen to see what was going on. Anyway, it's all fine. The kittens were locked up safe. You'll hear them, well, one of them be quite noisy afterwards, so apologies if that interferes with uh, the episode. This week I'm joined by Tom Price. Tom Price. Well, he is an actor. He is a stand-up. He is a radio host on Magic FM. He is the host of his own independent podcast, My Mate Bought a Toaster, which I urge you to listen to. It's very good. I'm all behind independent podcasts. He's he's great company. Um, We'd never met before. It was one of those. But I had a hunch that we would get on, and it's a lovely, free-flowing conversation, uh, and we go everywhere. It's great, and I'm really, really chuffed that he came on. Um, Admin, what do I have to tell you? You know where we are on the socials. Uh, we do try and get back to everybody. If you want to drop us an email about anything, I, I mean, you know, within reason, I can't sort of play agony uncle to everything, but um, do drop us an email. Uh, we are... How many years, Craig? How many years? Why do you always forget the email? I don't. I'm just pausing for effect. It's twoshotpod at gmail.com. Um, I hope everything's good. I hope you're well. Uh, and the sun is shining. I'm just looking out of uh, my living room window and it is a beautiful, beautiful day here in a very sunny Manchester, which is always good news. Now, moving on to next month in July. Um, we are taking a holiday um, because I'm taking my little boy away that I booked ages ago um, in the UK and we're really looking forward to it. So the second week of July, we may not have an episode for you. We may do. Uh, I'm trying to record as many as I can so then we don't have a break even though uh, I'm going to be away and we can just keep the episodes flowing. Um, I think that's kind of it, really. Should we get down to it? Okay, this is the Two Shot Podcast with the excellent Mr. Tom Price. Enjoy. I'll see you at the end. Tom Price, how are you? Um, I'm excited. Mm. Um, Why, because, what's, what's going on? Well, I'm on You're going to be a father again. You're going to be a father again. This is true. <laughs> 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 yeah, 
this is where I thought I'd drop the news. Not even my <laughs> wife knows, but your listeners now know. I'm excited for, for two reasons. Number one, I've got through uh, an inset day, a surprise inset day, which just appeared in our diary. Mm. So we, I, had to, I had the kids today, and it nearly, it nearly fucking killed me today. And then I'm excited because I'm getting my ears cleaned tomorrow. I'm getting my ears syringed. You know the problem? I mean... You are, you are living the life. Dude, I, you know when you have a thing in your diary and you don't really think about your life after that thing because you're so excited about that thing in your diary? Do you ever get well, that? Well, apparently you don't look at your diary because you didn't realise there was an inset day, but you, you are well on <laughs> the, the ear cleaning process. So, I mean, <laughs> let's talk about priorities. <laughs> yeah, and now I've got them bang on. I don't need to shift mine at all. I mean, what's happened there is in a sort of clichéd useless man thing the inset day was sitting in our joint diary and my ears being cleared i didn't think my wife would want to know about that so i put that in my own private diary and i don't think that on my iphone i'd clicked the school joint diary thing so i think that's just been mute probably for a while and yeah it's probably for the best but keep the romance alive that's what i say (laughs) keep your your, keep your ear business to yourself yeah oh mate um it's interesting because when i was thinking about you, it put my mind back to last week's episode when I was talking to Rachel Jackson. Yeah. And we touched on this very briefly. Now, you, so we've got actor, yeah. stand-up, yeah. radio presenter, yeah. podcaster. Mm. Years ago, and not even that many years ago, things like this were frowned on. You couldn't be all sorts in the creative industry in what we do it was like right you do your straight drama you do your comedy you do your musicals you do your presenting and you know never the twain like now totally like some sort of uh ford factory line you are in charge of steering wheels Mm. and if i see you going anywhere near door handles then that's it because this idea people won't know who you are people won't know what you are and and Mm. i i really um fell victim to this for years when i first started because i was terrified about shifting lanes and and i had an agent who was brilliant she's a brilliant agent but she was very big on this and she was very kind of like well if you do that you'll be seen to be drifting if you haven't got that focus on one thing do you want to present a, a shiny floor show on saturday night or do you want to be the lead actor in a new five-part drama well i'll kind of do both to be honest mm. and if, if you're seen as wanting both those things then you're you, you're drifting and they don't know who you are and and then it just sort of uh that gets under your skin and then and that doesn't help if you've got a sort of inbuilt imposter syndrome which most of us lot have got that really mm-hmm. doesn't help and i and i'm so pleased now to see that that has, has become less of a thing certainly when i look at someone like you know uh, say jason manford or john bishop those guys are brilliant stand-ups fantastic presenters wonderful actors john bishop's they're really good jason's a brilliant mm. actor you know what i mean mm-hmm. those guys are really really good and we've always known that comedians have always known we can you know turn our hand to various things but it's it's nice that that has got out there a bit that message has got out but there it's a bit, bit- but it's been accepted more. Yeah, know, yeah. That you don't have to be put in a certain box and stay there. And I don't know when it changed. It's still not that accepted. I mean, still when, like, you know, when Bish turned oh, but, up as the new guy but, on Doctor Who. But much more so much than more what so, it was yeah, yeah. if you go back even three, four, five years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't do that. You cannot be seen to be doing Like, Like, um, 
uh, I, do, I keep thinking about Doctor Who comparisons. Um, uh, what's his name? Who does the chase? Um, well, Bradley Walsh. Bradley Walsh. Sorry, I'm terrible on names. We should get that established in one of our... Okay. We just need to have a code word for me being bad with names. So I'm just going to put on my list <laughs> names and diary entries and calendar. That's, that's <laughs> that is, we'll, we'll yeah. Just, let's see if we can get up to 20. In, Scatty in our... and, and very bad at grabbing words. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, look at Bradley Walsh. Look at the way he does the chase and he's amazing. Mm-hmm. But he was he was completely accepted into Doctor Who. I think at first, yeah. uh, maybe some sort of Puritans were a bit. <gasps> What's he doing? Yeah. But I, I know I watched it all. I you know I just got into Doctor Who because my little boy loves yes. it so, and and it's so great that Jodie was his Doctor. My, how, how old is your little boy? He he just turned ten uh, last Saturday. Yeah, so I've got a nine-year-old. So, same so same story. Been, yeah, yeah, so I've yeah, just yeah. been getting into it. And I thought Bradley Walsh was fucking fantastic in <laughs> Doctor Who. Such great lightness of touch and so funny. Yeah. Kept that, and he's got such good energy. And, like, you've got to keep up because Jodie's got this amazing energy as an actor anyway, even more so when she's the Doctor. Yeah. I thought he, he, he it, came up trumps, to be it honest. It takes such a lot. And then there's a comics um, sensibility there. It takes such a lot to do it's not nothing but to throw things away like that and you learn as a comic very early on you're like hang on if i just the best a well-timed sigh can get can if in context can rip a room to pieces you know what mm-hmm. i mean and you learn this in comedy you're like oh my god i don't need to be at 10 i can just give half half a point and people will pick up on it and and if you take that on set it's quite hard to do it's very hard to do but to take that uh, that that sort of mindset onto a set where there's a massive crew of people and they're all waiting for you, and you've been in since five o'clock in the morning, and you've been in makeup, and you've got costume, and every little, every little increment of preparing to be on set is turning up your volume, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and and to then pierce that and go, no, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, ch-, and and to dial it right back down. That takes that takes a lot of guts and, and a bit of bravery, and it's, it's it's not safe at all. No, it's like, not safe at all. Yeah, but even to do that, I, I, and as someone who's never been on stage as a stand-up comedian, but who is fascinated by it and always has been for a long time, yeah. when you see those comedians that come on to huge fanfare, but then kind of just throw it away when they come on and bring the audience to them on yeah. stage. Uh, there was a story, and I'm I'm sort of cockeyed in telling this, but it's something like when Larry David used to you know, play the clubs in New York. If he wasn't feeling it, he would walk on, look at the audience and just go, mm, no, no, this is not for you. And then leave, and that was it. That love He it. would be gone. I mean, so it's much. just fucking brilliant. I love it so much. And the number of times I had that in my head and yet thought, but I still need to earn the £220 from Jonglers, <laughs> which probably won't come for six months, but I, I've got to do it anyway. And so, so inside, all comics have got that inner Larry saying... Yeah, you know that. It's all right. Larry's, Larry's with you, but you've got to keep going. Uh, but it's true to, to, to be able to do that and, and throw it away is just, it takes a huge amount of courage. And to, you know, when you're on set, again, I'm, I, same with stand up, I guess, I'm always looking at the bar stuff today, love you. You're always sort of sniffing out, worrying, is that, why are they, they look bored. They think I'm, they think I'm, this sort of paranoid person who appears out of nowhere, this monster who can balloon. Mm-hmm. And to keep that at bay takes tremendous control and tremendous authority and i know we're 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 sort of reaching a lot from bradley but i think he deserves that i really do the watching the way he does that and watching the way he did that part in doctor who no spoilers past tense um it was magnificent 
Absolutely. When you're, this probably sounds like a stupid question, but when you're going from room to room and club to club, do you focus on like the whole audience or do you just sort of, you get a table and you focus on them and maybe switch around or because you were saying before you're looking at certain people or are they enjoying themselves are you constantly uh taking yourself outside yourself and critiquing to hope that everybody's okay or does that switch and change around it depends it depends uh if i if i'm in a good the good version of me or the bad version of me if i'm in a good place i'm going through a good few weeks as a stand-up a good few months as a stand-up and i'm bouncing from gig to gig and i'm happy with what i'm doing i don't care until the end of the gig, I might look around and I'll be like, "Yeah, you've all loved this as as you mm. as you rightly should." This sounds charmlessly arrogant, but that is the way that you sort of end up when you're in a bad place. You turn up and you're like, "Okay, if I can just entertain them," and then you you get that sort of that distraction, if you like, of each individual table, each individual person, and then it's a sign. Basically, it's quite a good warning sign. If you're really worrying about individuals, then you're doing something wrong. Whereas if you go into a room and you're just like, "I know this is going to work." They will come with me. They will come with me. We'll be friends by the end. And I'll look at that table, not as potential bored audience members, but I'll know that's Sid and Bob, who I've been speaking to mm. over the course of the gig. They'll be friends by the end of it. And then when you're in that place, oh, it's just Is like, it just a dream? It's just like dancing, but being yeah. good at dancing. Me dancing is not a good analogy. Um, but it is. <laughs> it's fantastic. And, and, you know, the number of times I'd write sort of like a stand-up journal thing and, you know, I'd go into a gig really twisted and miserable and thinking, oh, God, you know, I, I, I don't do so much stand-up as I used to, obviously not last year and a half, but um, because of the radio, uh, because I do my radio show on the weekends, which makes it hard to gig on Friday and Saturday nights. Mm. Um, but when I was doing it, I would get really twisted up before, as so many stand-ups do. Uh, and then afterwards, I'd write notes to my future self in the journal. You need to oh, keep really? doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... You're really fucking good at this. Keep doing it. You're, you're like really weird. Like like offering therapy to my future self is a. I'm a great therapist. Not to me in the moment, but to me in two weeks' time. Really good. That's got another list of we could put on the list of jobs. So podcaster, actor, stand up therapist, <laughs> self therapist. So what yeah. what di- what what did come first then? Because we've got oh, we're juggling a lot of yeah. you know different careers within the same arena here. I mean, the first thing really was not being loved enough as a child, which made me have to show off. <laughs> um, I guess I, 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 it was, um, I loved I loved acting at school. I loved doing Shakespeare, very traditional, um, quite straight-laced school. I went to a, a private school that was very kind of like real sort of fifth-rate private school, not anything particularly impressive, but they would just do the sort of traditional Shakespeare. And every now and again there would be this kind of wonderful, almost um, uh, uh, dead poet society type English teacher who'd appear and do something off-centre and weird, like Unman... Do you know the play Unman Wittering and Zygo or, or or Bouncers? Stuff which we now know, you know, oh, yeah. we now know Bouncers is like Edinburgh Festival cliche, 14 pages of people doing Bouncers. But when you're 12 or 13, it was like, oh my God, we're not doing Shakespeare. So I loved acting from the word go from when I was like five years old and then at school any chance to not do Shakespeare much as I loved Shakespeare was right there and then I kept noticing that people basically laughed at my face I just had an ability to make people laugh at my face and and I was quite up for that and then I went to uni and then fell in with a bunch of people who were doing sketch comedy Mm -hmm. and then it was just comedy all the way and then Edinburgh happened 
99 and then I just watched loads of stand-up loads of bad stand-up and just went oh my god this is stand-up is just a refined version of acting this is just a controlled kind of kind of monologue really which some stand-up purists might be livid to hear that but I realized that's what it was for me yeah but everybody has their own path and their own take on it and you can look at you know 10 stand-up comedians that we probably all know and love and they're all different totally totally you know um Sometimes, remember when you see, used to see Eddie Izzard, like, growing up, and you just go, is he, has he done any preparations? You're just making this up as he goes along, because it's yeah. fucking genius. <laughs> You've never seen anything. I remember when I saw Definite Article when I was at drama school. Yeah. You just watch it again and again on VHS, and you yeah. just go, he's just got this incredible ability that it's, it's just tripping off his tongue. It doesn't yeah. sound like it's scripted. And whereas other people... You know, they have their set and it's and that's what they do and they tell their stories and they you know, they talk about garlic bread and you know, it all becomes <laughs> all becomes a BBC two nostalgia show, which is fine for some people if that's what you want. Yeah, yeah. I think I completely everyone has a different way of doing it and the the sort of nub of it for me was realising that I could write a joke. I just everything boils down to I love writing a joke I love writing a good joke and being able to do that and realizing oh I've also got the skills to perform it and do exactly how I want it to be done that sort of control freakery that was a spark for me and and just being on stage by myself was obviously knee wobblingly terrifying at first Mm. but that first five minute gig at uni was just like my god I came off stage and it was like it was I'd imagine the finest grade heroin you've ever had I could if someone had said to me do you want to go straight back on I'd have been like yeah yeah, yeah I'll do an hour I'll do an hour mate I will riff an hour wow and that was in front of That's your amazing. peers but I can't imagine yeah yeah I mean yeah it was one thing of, going out uh, you know, going yeah. downstairs in the king's head in crouch end in a sweaty dark That's where room, I met my wife that's literally where I met my wife at that is it really yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I used to see some great stuff. In fact, I saw Eddie Izzard down there. There you go. Years ago. Yeah, yeah. But to do to go out for your first gig in front of students who we all know are awful <laughs> human beings. <laughs> the very worst. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I sort of... I only had to do five minutes and I, I rehearsed it to within an inch of its life. I knew it word for word and I just did it. And it was it went well, and I ended up in the final of the Daily Telegraph open mic, um, and and I was like, right, I guess I'm going to be a stand up. And then I had Avalon to asking me to sign with them and stuff, and it was like, okay, I'm going to be a stand up then. And I'm not sure. And at that point, so like I was really pulled in the version in, in the direction of pure stand up, and I don't think I had the wherewithal to say, well, well, no, actually, I really want to act. Actually, I want to write a bit more. I just kind of went, okay, yeah, stand up, great. And it's all, I think that threw me off a bit. So when did the acting come in and just sort of not take over, but try and work side by side? Um, I just, I got, I got an agent who just started sending me up for stuff and it was just, I was going up for dramas and not getting anything. And then I started going up for comedies and just started getting, you know, like bits and bobs. And then, mm-hmm. and then I got this big sketch show at the time, big at the time sketch show on channel five and, uh, which was called swinging, which we did for two seasons, with Joe Joyner and Dominic Coleman and Ella Kenyon, Dave Armand, Claire Willey. Um, and that was that was uh, amazing, and in the same mould as something like, say, Horrible Histories, any low-budget sketch show where you are, they hire a house for a week and they're going to film, you know, 
eight sketches a day in different rooms in the house. So they've got one crew preparing a room downstairs while you're filming a sketch. And then you've got to go downstairs and do another sketch that you haven't learned with a completely different costume. Like mad, mad, mad stuff. So like real <laughs> baptism of fire. Like you're basically doing eight Edinburgh's a day, that kind of feeling. Um, and then it was while I was doing that, I had a day off and I auditioned for Torchwood. And, and in that way, in fact, that we were talking about with Bradley, I, I just threw it away. I just went in and went, oh, it's, this is a laconic Welshman. It's as if I was doing a sketch and just kind of chucked it out there and thought nothing more of it. And then I got it. And it was that, that sweet spot, that sweet spot where you don't try too hard, but you're just sort of exploring it for yourself. You're doing it for yourself, man. Mm. Which, you know, sometimes you have to not overthink these things yes. when you're going in, especially when it's something that you really want. Because I know so many people that just pin all their hopes and passion and all their energy yeah. and they go in and they're never happy. No. They're never happy. No. They can come out, you know, and certainly not over the last year, it's like, I ain't, I ain't meeting you over Zoom. I'm yeah. just not doing it. You're <laughs> not going to, you're not going to get the best out of me. We're not, it's, we're not going to, there's going to be no complicity between us through a computer screen. It's, I mean, it's, it's taken me all this time to get into the mindset that I can conduct these episodes yeah. like this, which I fucking loathe. I don't know about yeah. you, because I know you've been doing that as well. I was so used to being there, seeing the whites of people's eyes, yeah, you know, giving them their cup of tea or their slice of cake or whatever they want and getting de- getting down to it. Whereas this, I was starting to do the first few, which I don't think I ever put out, because I hated them that much. Really? Yeah. Why? What it, was it? Uh, you you didn't put in a good, a good shift. You didn't bounce properly off people. It's not... I don't think... I don't know. It's not that I was critical. Well, I suppose I was more critical of myself than the guest. It was just, it was so alien to me. And because, you know, like, there's no real format to these conversations. It's just all about a good conversation, hopefully, and we get more out of the guest and Mm -hmm. we can discover more about them. Mm -hmm. Whereas with toaster with what you do it's obviously it's much more different because there's a there's a format i can restart it, it every three minutes four minutes i can reboot it and go right here's the next item on your amazon history totally exactly and i can and edit also, around all that stuff as well it's easy to edit all around that mm. whereas this is just because it's so about the human being mm. who who should be sat next to me yeah i just found it i found it uncomfortable if i'm honest yeah. i didn't enjoy it at all that's well, interesting. I mean, so there's there's some vaults, there's some two shot pod vaults where there's episodes that have never been released. Mm, mm, yeah, mm, there's a few. That, you know, they'll uh, they'll they're under lock and key. Oh god, not, the poor paranoid actor who's not had their episode released. They'll just be in bits. What did <laughs> I know, do, thing, love? Oh god, no, the, the, the thing is, the thing is, they know, and some of them. I think I don't know if all of them were actors, so they're all right. Oh really? Interesting. <laughs> Could, yeah, interesting. I'd have to go through it. Okay. But also because your podcast, you know, is the theme is Amazon. Yes. So it, you, it, I suppose it kind of makes sense to be doing it the way that we've been doing things for a year. I have found it, I'll be honest, maybe this is hmm. proof that I'm a less interesting person than you, Craig, but I have found it fine because here's what I've done as well. This probably leans into my... Um, slightly sort of hermity behaviour. I don't. I don't like the video ones. I've done a load on video recently, and actually, what I like to do is is do it on a non-video thing. So it's just audio, and I just sort of sit with my eyes closed and have this kind of. 
like I'm a medium connecting with them. And it's, I found that a lot easier. I think I'm overstimulated by by video calls and by people in the room. I found less is more and just kind of just talking to someone. So I find it okay. Um, but I can't, I mean, having said all that, I can't wait to do them again in person. But I mean, who knows when that's going to happen? Yeah, and certainly I've had people knock on the door about certain live shows as well, which I'm sure you yeah. have. And like, I'd love to do that, but yeah, 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 yeah. it ain't gonna, it ain't happening anytime soon. No, I know, man. I know, I know. I'm not gonna fit. I don't feel comfortable inviting a load of people into a no. a theatre or a you know a town hall. Yeah, spread the word, guys, exchange. and the virus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, I mean, we have to. Not that I talk about that much, but we have to look at the news today that we're we're spiking already. I know, so. mate. I know. It's just yep. And, um, let's deep wincy breaths. Yep. Oh, there you go. But, um, how do you find the time to do everything what you're doing and what you're juggling with the radio? When did the radio? Sorry, when, uh, I'm asking so many questions because I'm just so fascinated with everything that you're doing and you do everything so well. It's oh, very kind of you, Craig. I, and I also, mean, you've got you've got a wife, you've got two young children. I mean, obviously your father fatherly responsibilities are <laughs> questionable, but that's not the podcast for this. But that would be a good podcast. Um, I don't, I just, uh, I think actually, do you know what? It's interesting you said, how, how, how do I find the time? I think my acting and my preparation for self-tapes has suffered because I have not prioritised it properly. Because at the moment, so to give you a kind of, to give you a kind of breakdown of, of all the different things I've got going on. So, on any given day, I will have. I've got a production company, and we are uh, making uh, radio. We make radio comedy, so we've got a couple of series in for Radio Wales. So on any given day, we're kind of writing. I, I sort of um, show run the scripts for the a couple of series. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. like lots of feedback to writers, um, which I love doing. Throwing in loads of jokes, all that sort of stuff. We're also making a series of. TV comedy shorts again for BBC Wales this summer, which I'm directing. So there's stuff going on with that with our first big TV production. Then there's my podcast, which, as you know, takes up filthy amounts of time for you know, obviously a lot of money, a serious amount of cash that we we get for doing these. So that's fine, but it does take a lot of money. It's the, and only, it's it, the it, only reason we do it, mate. It's, it's just, yeah, just for the green, pure cash, pure cash. <laughs> I mean, it's just like walking to the city every day, isn't it? When you turn up <laughs> to do a podcast, we're all here with our bowler hats and umbrellas, making that sweet dollar. Um, and it is relentlessly um, self promoting and stuff. But I love doing it, and I, I'm, I get mm. a real buzz from it, of course. Um, so there's that, and then. And then there's the occasional voiceover. Then there's my radio show. I've got a weekend breakfast show on, on Magic FM, which um, I love doing. But again, you've got to prepare stuff. You've got to think of stories. You've got to write some at least a couple of gags. <laughs> at least one good gag a weekend. Um, and then and then the self-tape emails appear saying we need something for tomorrow. And it's like, fuck, I'm going to rush that. I'm going to rush that. And I hate that. I really regret that. You regret what, sorry? I regret that the, when those self-tape emails appear, I rush those ones. Those ones come in at the bottom of my pile. And I've been making a lot of effort recently to try and put more time into them, to give them time, especially if it's a good thing, you know? Like, yeah, blow a day on it. But I, I find it so hard to do. Is it purely there's just no... T- it, gets, it gets to the point where there's just no actual time yeah. to focus on it. I want to read the whole episode. I don't want to just look at my scenes. I want to read a whole episode. I want to, you know, look into the writer. I want to look at the director. I want to go on YouTube and watch stuff they've directed. Because how many times have you self-taped for something and then watched the show 
and being like, oh, well, well, I just t- did this completely. That was not. Oh, I, I mean, I got the I got the tone completely wrong. Compl- I was doing I mean, Pratt Falls. <laughs> <laughs> I did it in a French accent. Like, how many times does that happen? You think, oh God, if I'd known this was this sort of improvisy, you know, um, low conversational thing, I'd have kept it there. All those sorts of things. Um, I mean, so, yeah. but sometimes I mean, I, I remember you know sometimes um, graduates and and younger actors sort of hit me up and ask me certain questions and I'm more than happy to, to, to speak to people about that. I don't mind. Um, but I say to them, it's even worse sometimes when you don't get a script, you just get some sides yeah. and they can't even tell you anything about the project. It's definitely for Marvel. Yeah. I can't say anything else. <laughs> and also, th- the reason why the sides that you're sending make zero sense is because they're not from the actual thing that you're auditioning for. They're from something else completely yeah, different. Because we can't give you a script which says Loki's uncle on it or whatever no. the fuck. You, no. Yeah. So you end up just, it's completely shooting in the dark. And you know they're just looking at your face. They, they're just, all they're doing is taking a quick look at your face and going, yeah, you'll know. You know, there is in terms of the early rounds of stuff there's a huge amount of time you can pour into what is basically going they're going to watch five seconds of it aren't they realistically yeah and it's all very well and good and positive you saying you know i'm going to take my time i want to spend like you know a good chunk of time on doing this but then again it's like wait a minute they've asked you to record 14 pages mm. right got to learn that mate you got to learn it um, yeah I just I can't you say that. I can't. I, just, I can't. Uh, I've tried to do the auto. My friend Lizzie Roper does auto cue, right? When she does mm-hmm. her subtypes. But then you, when you watch it back, right, your eyes are just doing this the whole time, right? You just see your eyes j- dancing around the place. Yeah, don't watch it back, Tom. It's <laughs> very easy. Just go. Yeah, it's fine. Are they going to get to watch the fourteen pages? I don't know. Maybe they'll watch the first minute and get it next is it worth is it not worth how ballsy would it be just to just to do a minute but just have then 13 minutes of i don't know you just making a cup of tea or you just you sticking the finger up or just or just something that says if you want to see this i'll, I'll come in for a meeting do you know what i mean if you want more then bring yeah. me back i mean look i'm all up for a ballsy move always but i'm scared of my agent as we all are <laughs> You're scared of your oh, agent. I, 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 I don't know him. if that's a good relationship. I, lo- I adore him. But no, I tell you what, to be more precise, I'm scared of um, letting him down because he's so good. And I just mm. don't want him to be like, don't be a dickhead. Get this right. If I get it wrong, I'll, I will feel, yeah. It's not scared. It's the, well, you've disappointed me. It's one of those. Which, that's, oh, that's parental. That's even parental worse. Thing, you know what it's like if you say to daddy one of your children... Mm. You, I'm not angry. I'm not. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just, telling you off. I'm not telling you off, mate. I'm not telling you off. I'm going to call you mate. I'm just really disappointed. Yes, really disappointed. Yeah. And then oh, just big pauses. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I actually apologised to my son the other day. He was on the phone to one of his friends, and he was just stomping up the stairs. And I said, oh, "Where are you going?" He went, For God's sake, I'm on the phone. Get off my back! And I just went. <sighs> And I absolutely lost it. <laughs> Did you? Oh, no. Shouty, shouty. Like, shouty, daddy. Projecting. St- stern, stern Craig came out. It was, it was, even I was how does, quite scared. How does that go? Can, I, then I, can I have a bit of stern Craig? I made it, 
I might not. I'm, I'm not a performing monkey. Yeah, I'll do it. We'll just edit it out. Um, I made him hoover his room, but then I was really thinking about it, and I'm reading. Um, I'm reading a certain book on parenting. Philippa Perry at the moment. Yeah, she's on my. She's on my uh, podcast in a couple of weeks. No way. Yeah, she's great. I just got therapy. And, I just got uh, therapy for an hour. That's all it was. Um, I mean, look, take it where you can get it, my friend. <laughs> Every time. But I, I took him to karate yesterday afternoon, and I, I just waited in the car park because I couldn't be asked driving anywhere, and I just was carrying on reading. And he got in the car after karate. and went, how was it? And we had a little chat, and I went, look, just before we go home. You said sorry. You said sorry. To... No, I didn't. Oh. Oh. I said, well, what you said to me, you know, was the how you spoke to me this morning was was wrong yeah. and you you hoovered your room and you took your punishment but i need to apologize to you i said i shouldn't have reacted oh, yeah. in the way i did i think i was angry about something else and i took it out on you and i shouldn't have done that he went no we we i was wrong and, and then we had a really big discussion about it but it's only from reading a, a certain um half chapter in her book that i went oh yeah that makes real sense i shouldn't have it's the takeaway headline from that book if you want the york notes on the philip berry book it's just know when to say sorry to your kids for doing stuff and it makes everything okay and it is oh my god unlocking that kind of maturity from him to say Mm. yeah okay no i get it Mm. oh wow it was incredible it was a real incredible moment because even though i was waiting for him to come out and i was reading it was going oh i need to do what she says because she's fucking right here what she's dead right. And I even knew it at the time, but I didn't admit it to myself at the time. It's very rare to read a... And it's a self-help book, you know, nothing wrong with that. But it's very rare to read that kind of book and to then realise that the thing that it's telling you to do is literally sitting in the car next to you and you've now got to do the thing to actually live mm. it, make it happen. Because we all read those books and think, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we sort of have this natural high on the concepts. Uh, it's a bit like joining a gym. You just feel a bit fitter from it. You think, yeah, 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 yeah. How many people do it? Like 5%. It's really hard. Yeah, but, you know, the gym analogy there is, yeah, let's start in January and we're going to have four weeks and we're going to kill it. <laughs> yeah. It's, when did you last go? February the 2nd. What is it? It's July now. I'm not going back. It's never going to happen. How, how was How was it when you became a father for the first time? Because doing what we do... It's, all, it's precarious anyway, and it's all a balancing act. But then mm. add a, a, another human yeah. into the mix. <gasps> I mean, it's it's been absolutely... Mm, mm, I mean, I want to say magical. That's such a tired cliche. It's such a fucking pathetic thing to say. Um, Maniac. No, but it can be. Well, it, can, it can be, but it, it's really no, fucking hard. but that's not a true reflection of it. That's not the right word. It has been... Um, it's been chaos it's just been chaos it's just it's just pure chaos just you're basically when you have a kid who and i've got two boys and they are magnificent but they are very very full-on and uh, all kids are obviously it's you're basically setting fire to your life and if you're if your life uh, is an artistic one you're setting fire to it and sending it to the moon essentially it Mm. is utterly utterly impossible certainly in those first opening months or even indeed years to maintain any kind of any kind of creative trajectory when you've got this chaos at home because you just can't have a thought you can't sit down and complete a thought let alone 
you know, get ready for an audition, let alone, I did an Edinburgh show in uh, 2011, when, which went really well. And I did one in 2014 when my little boy was uh, three. And I was just, I wasn't there. I didn't really want to do it. I, I sort of, I had the start the momentum of the boy from, from the me from his 20s and early 30s going, right, come on then, get your, get your Edinburgh show out, let's do it. And I didn't actually think of the dad person who was now going, that stuff can take a pause, that stuff can take a hike. You've got this, this thing is now dwarfing everything around it. Mm. And I think recognising that that is just so massively the most important thing is, um, was, was a real sort of, uh, it was quite a relief. And, and then in that relief, Craig, you're much better for it all. You're much better for your acting, I think, and much better for your comedy. I went through a couple of years sort of suffering and trying to keep that momentum and that concentration and that focus in, in the teeth of the, you know, this kid wasn't sleeping, still doesn't. He's really highly active. My wife and I were sharing all the childcare. It was really full on, and I tried to keep the momentum going, and I couldn't. And when you realise you can't and you let go and you become that, that dad first and then everything else is second, you start to turn up at gigs just thinking, ah, fuck it. I don't care. My son's re- he's having a really nice evening. He's just had a really good bath and he's gone to bed and he's really happy. When he was like one, one and a half, whatever, you'd have a great gig because you just think, I don't care about any of this stuff. And that is a huge relief. Absolute. But also it's a release. It's a bit like what you were saying yeah. before when you were filming Swinging and then Torchwood comes in and you just went, I don't think about it. I'm just going to go in and do it. Yeah. You, you're, you've dropped your guard. Yeah. So therefore you're going to be on your A game and deliver what's needed. It's so true. It's so true when you just say to the uh, gremlins is probably a negative word of of to describe the part of you that is on high alert and is overthinking stuff and is trying to be really really strategic and you know thoughtful and all these things just like just do it just be instinctive just be instinctive and do what you need to do and 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 of course like you want to do your homework you want to be conscientious and you want to sort of deliver but the there's such a lovely balance with just taking your foot off the pedal and relaxing into something. Yeah. And also prioritizing. You're prioritizing as well. Yeah. And I just, which I think really massively helps. I didn't really want to go out and social and network as well. That's another thing, you know, which we don't talk about much. The idea of being in certain, you know, establishments, talking to certain people, working out what's going on, standing in the Pleasance Courtyard at Edinburgh or Soho House or whatever, and, and knowing lots of people, I just totally took my foot off the gas with that. And that was my instinct, and it was the right thing to do, because I just wanted to be at home. I just didn't want to be out. I just wanted to be at home. No, I mean, I, I know a, a fair few um, stand-ups, and when children come into the life, I, and I know how difficult it is because, you know you're on the road, you're travelling two gigs and you're not, it's not, you know, uh, you're not, if you live in London, and not everybody does, but if you're living in London, not all your gigs are there. You're going to Nottingham or you're going to Birmingham or you're coming to Manchester or, you know, you constantly spend more time on the road than you do on stage. Oh, it was exhausting. And the money's pretty, you know, for for the level of gigs which I'm at, the money is, is, you know, it's not great. You're going to Exeter for 120 quid and then you pay petrol and you pay your agent and you're like, well, that's 70 quid and that's my day gone. You know, like it's, it's hard and exhausting. And, um, but the problem was, there's still that, there's still that little nugget of heroin in the getting that that great material out. That moment when you're in the car, miserable, is you know, 
it's it's worth dwelling on that actually the the sort of the cr- the creative uh mist that that is when you're miserable and and worried and in that kind of frame of mind the your brain goes into creative lockdown you can't write stuff you can't have any good thoughts that's it you you know you, you find yourself schlepping to these gigs you've not had any fun thoughts in the car or anything you just feel completely like ugh whereas when you are doing something because you choose to when you are happy at home and you're like now I'm going to go off and do this gig and I will love doing it you're in a better frame of mind without that anxiety. Oh my God, the thoughts, the blah, 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 blah. Your brain is like, let's play. That part of you Mm. comes out and you can't force that. But also you don't have the guilt. Yeah. There's no guilt coming. I remember sometimes I very rarely do theatre. I remember doing a a play when my little boy was born. It was like... (gasps) Where was it? Was it near home? No, it was in London. It was in London. It was... And it was... It was leading up to his birth, yeah. and it was going to carry on after, and it was just like, and I was legging it back when I was living in Gloucestershire. I was going back like midweek just in case, you know. I don't want to miss it. So obviously, I've already got the the, the dad guilt there mm. anyway because mm. I'm just legging it back and forth. Yeah. And now again, you know, talk about prioritising. It's like, right, okay, well, do I need to do this? No. Do I want to do it? Yes. But they're too very very different things and when you're doing those performances when you're in the moment doing it you know you you've got to have that really that really free associating happy brain up and running for you because that guy Mm -hmm. that guy will keep going forever when you've got when you've got the anxiety (laughs) nervous brain that that dickhead has got a day tops and then he starts to hate himself and it all crumples you've got a it's a really hard balance to to make it uh to make that work but you've got to have that that energy and the only place you can get that from is by is by having your priorities in order exactly but i suppose the lovely lovely thing that you've got with having an acting career which let's be honest we don't have as much control over as what we would like Mm. but then on the other side of the scales you've got a stand-up career which you write you perform you're in charge of, yeah. you're getting yourself to the gig. So that you've got complete control. So obviously you don't want to lose that no. because there's a lovely, you know, we talked about balance before. That's a lovely balance, yeah. surely. Yeah, when that was working, that was great. But then I just got too exhausted because of the, the late nights and the kid not sleeping. And that, it's what led on naturally to me doing the radio stuff off the back of that. So it was it was the, the kid and the... Um, the, the, you know, driving off to do a gig, getting back at 3am and then getting up at 5am... It was just, you know, that sort of stuff was happening. That's going to take its toll. That <laughs> Very, within you, yeah. two days. <laughs> within, yeah. I mean, like, no time at all. I just felt absolutely hollow. And I'd always wanted to do radio, and I knew I could present radio. So I, I sort of, that came along at just the right time. Just the right moment. So how, how did that come along, Tom? I was doing a comedy panel show in uh, in Wales again, on BBC uh, Radio Wales, and then they asked me to host it. So I started hosting it, and then uh, the guys at Magic heard me and thought I could do a job for them at Magic. So it just sort of evolved in a very nice, very lucky, uh, very lucky way. Mm. Um, and that's just something that you sort of talk to like a doctor water oh, it really. just brings everything it just has everything in it because you're writing you're doing jokes you're doing you, if you want to you can do little sketches little things stuff you have the you know if you're telling a story on the radio you've got to use all those skills that you've used as a storyteller on stage you've got to know what an audience likes there's this thing when you do stand-up 
or theatre, for years and years and years, you develop a knowledge of what a live audience enjoys. You have this sort of inner live audience, which sounds completely bonkers, but you, I, I just know exactly what works and what doesn't. I just know. And when you've got that, when you can take that into uh, things like the radio show, it just it gives you such good instincts. So it, doing the radio is, is a real natural progression for me. It really kind of draws on all those skills and stuff. And it's, it's flexible. It's nice. It works really well. And also I can really hear, I remember when I first got into listening and I listened to, I used to, I mean, I still love radio now. I, radio on is first thing in the morning, last thing at yeah. night. I watch, I listen to more radio than I watch television. Did you listen to it a lot as a kid? You, Was it a kid? N- no, I used to make my own radio shows. <laughs> so did I, man. Like, Classic. Ta- yes, like tape to tape and recording things. I just do my own top ten and things like that. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. But, so, you know, sometimes I love reading, right? But to have the time to sit down and focus and read if I'm making dinner or I'm getting in bath or what, you know, it's like, ugh, I just can't do that. But, yeah. but if the radio is constantly on, then that's my companion mm-hmm. and I can do the ironing, I can clean, I can cook, I can do whatever I need to do mm-hmm. that I have to do that's on my list of chores for the day, but it's still there keeping me company. But that's the thing. There's no difference between the connection that you're making with that presenter and that show there's no difference between that connection there's no difference between the connection between uh, me and an audience when i'm a stand-up or or when we watch our favorite movie and you see the you know the main character who you love that all those connections are still the same because you're still watching or hearing someone who's saying i'm here and uh, you know I, I have these interests and these things that you will like too and it just is that way of of finding the common ground whether it is a fucking throwaway feature on five live or the new marvel film that's why we end up doing all this stuff right because we're trying to do the same thing yeah and there's a lovely thing that i can really hear i can hear and i'm sure as you can uh, if a broadcaster is faking it yes oh yes it, i talk it, about this all the time I, I, yes. I, oh dear yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do it with stand up i talk about it all the time it really really gets my go I, don't do that fake laughter when you're interviewing somebody one they're not funny and they don't appreciate it so and true. i can hear you so true you you didn't like that show don't tell me it's a good show it's not a good show you don't like it's it the- just be honest and i can i can hear that in all sorts of broadcasting whether it's on radio or it's podcast form yeah. and that's why i was really when i started out doing this five years ago i always wanted to make sure that it was as honest as it could possibly be yeah. to a certain extent. A, a really good friend of mine says, she, she goes, I, I can't listen to your, to your podcast. I went, why? What do you mean? She went, she went well, it, it's, it's, it's you, <laughs> but it's like a version of you. And I went, well, yeah, I, I kind of know what you mean. I, I certainly have to be a version, but it's still as much me as it is. It's more me than it isn't. Does that make sense? Yeah, but it's you... This is the thing. Like, my, well, my wife is like the same. She would, she listens to my podcast to be nice. But similarly, she's like, oh God, it's just a lot more you, isn't it? But it is, it's not me turned up. It's me turned at 
you. Like I'm focused. Like when you're living with someone or you're friends with someone, it's sort of side by side. You're sitting shoulder to shoulder. Mm. When you're doing a podcast or broadcasting, I'm turning to face you, <laughs> looking right at you and trying to sort of force this connection. That's an uncomfortable way to live your life with someone. But when you're listening to a podcast or watching a movie or whatever it is, that's what you want. You want someone to beam themselves into you in that way. So when people, you know, I- sorry, go on. No, no, no. I was just going to about to chip in and say, also, we're probably aware that even though we're looking at each other now, even though I didn't know that you were going to be uncomfortable about it and I wouldn't have done it, we would have just done audio. <laughs> no, I've enjoyed it with this. This has been good. This has been good. But for the, um, we're both aware that, that, you know, people are listening to this. They're not watching it. Yeah. So, of course, I might drop my tone down slightly and make my voice a little bit richer because that's yeah. what I'm... But I, I mean, I have a I'm podcast kind of, voice. Have I got a podcast voice? Oh, God. No, I mean... Oh, God there's, and God. There's, there's, look, there's no vocal fry going on. Let's <laughs> just say that. That's, that's another bugbear oh, of mine. I'm not, I, I can't do that. That's not fair. Richard Bacon. Not, Richard Bacon was the worst. He used to do those blockbuster commercials years ago. Bringing, ent- bringing entertainment home to you. Oh, see, was that was that bacon? Stop it, bacon. Although I always loved Richard when he had his five live show, <laughs> amazing. Like some perfect. of the best talk radio, yeah, for for a long time. I've got a lot. Did you ever see? You must have seen um, Richard Bacon committed to a BBC One documentary, and it was all about the scandal oh. that happened all those years ago. And it was so honest, and it had interviews with his friends and his family. Mm. It was fucking brilliant. I've seen it. And I remember, oh, it's good. I, so I love good. him. I, he's, I don't, he's brilliant. He's fantastic. I remember I met him for the first time. It was one of the first things I said to him. I went, Your cocaine documentary was amazing. <laughs> that was the making of you. And in a way, it kind of was. Because he was talking about, you know, putting yourself out there and being as honest as you can be. This was as honest. Yeah as anybody could possibly be. And it was about, you know, betrayal and mistakes and it wasn't asking for forgiveness. It was brutally honest. It was it was fucking brilliant. But, but that's what it all comes down to. Again, all of this. And I, I'm sort of trying to find the thread that combines, because, you know, pointing out all the different things I do. And it's like, yeah, but they're all different versions of the same thing. And this sounds like a big reach. But like that honesty and, and just kind of just ultra being myself and trying to bring myself to whether it's a part or, or whether it's me presenting a thing, the the audience's ability to sniff out the fraud and sniff out the fake and sniff out that that didn't happen, you know, I it's second to none. Like, I just know that's there. And, and if you go out trying to be something you're not, you're absolutely doomed. You're absolutely doomed. You might have success, but you will not be happy with it. And you will it will be mm. hollow because it will crumble. Especially sonically. Because I just think the audience can hear it yeah. a mile off, and I certainly can. Yeah. You know, we obviously we're both in agreement that we we loathe that, and you do hear it. You do hear it a lot. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of some good examples now. Uh, Let's move on to podcasting. Yeah. So, if you weren't juggling enough, why or what prompted you? to start and for those that don't know and i I, let's do give it a little plug even though i don't do plugs on this podcast but i do love my mate bought a toaster and you've had lots of lovely lovely guests on yeah Um, i'm very lucky i've had some good people on and it's um yeah basically it's it's an interview uh format where i uh 
break in. I say break in. A guest gives me their Amazon login. I log into their Amazon account, and then we just go through. Because if you look at your Amazon account, you can go right back. So you can go right back to oh the first God. thing you had bought. And Craig, you will eventually, you have no choice, you will eventually come on the show. Um, and <laughs> Foolish people, foolish yeah, people yeah, who yeah. give you that. Very, very foolish. I know. Well, there's a screenshot option. Some people just send me screenshots. It's fine. Or Annika Rice, who literally oh. took pictures off her computer, which was delightful. Um, or you can let me log in. And it's just, it's just really interesting to see people's lives punctuated by the things they bought it tells you exactly who they were at different points in their life and it's always a leaping off point you don't actually talk about the quality of a hard drive Mm -mm. i can do (laughs) no but the thing is you do get you do get to know so much more about the people albeit in a very different way to how sort of totally i conduct these conversations because you go so what were you doing then at that point in your life why did you buy that and it's just i think it's a really really smart and interesting format thanks mate it's it's the thing that i'm uh trying to get better at doing and you're a good person i can just get some podcast therapy from you now is is dealing with big names because i've had a couple of big names on not many but a few and Mm. the ones that work are when it's a mate or someone i know because i could just ask them anything and i can really just be completely frank and you know and those those are how that's how you get your best conversations but when you've got a name on who you don't know and you're a bit starstruck so i had sanjeev baskar on he's not that episode's not come out yet and i just think he's amazing i know he's been on he's he's a lovely guy i know he's been on lovely guy um how do you and this counts for everything actually when you're working as well as an actor how do you tune out the fame factor i don't know because i don't i tell you what i don't get starstruck that much no, well the thing is i didn't think i did because i hate fame fame really annoys me because it's this, it's it's uh, as a currency you know it's the, <laughs> it's the bitcoin bitcoin of the entertainment industry it's such a it's such a hollow <laughs> empty meaningless easily crashing thing and i tell myself i don't care but every now and again it just gets it, something happens i don't think it's about not caring it's about i love you yeah, know that mate just the balloons. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I love what I do. I've always loved what I do, and I love being around actors. I love being on set. But I'm more the, I'm more starstruck when I meet chefs, when I meet yeah. famous chefs, yeah. because I love because I love cooking so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, Philippa Perry. There we go. God, is the siren coming to you? I think one of my cats has oh just my escaped. Wait there. Okay, Tom. mate, get it. This is important because they've escaped before. I'm, a, I'm conscious of this. FYI, Craig absolutely shot up then. I've never seen anyone leave a conversation quicker. It did it escape. Wait there. Do, do, I know this has been a thing. <laughs> <laughs> mate. I, I'm familiar with this. Oh I've been God. following this on Twitter. Don't let it happen again, man. Although you did pick Don't, up some it followers. Was, it was... It was a different cat this time. I um, left the uh, kitchen window open. I've just got to check if the other yeah, one's do upstairs it, for God's sake, with do my it. son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not no, in a no, rush, No, 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 for God's sake. I mean, I'm in a rush. This is just rude. But... Oh, my God. Hang on. No, it's fine. The other one um, okay, is on. upstairs with, uh, with my son. Did you, have you got the cat? Yeah, I've got both. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. What's happened there? Uh. 
Ooh. Can I just say, I've, I meant to say this earlier on, the Skype ringtone is an absolute banger. I could go out clubbing to that. Oh. I was thinking about dancing the other day, actually. Oh, I, I'm des- do you know what? I'm, I'm desperate to go and dance to 90s indie music with my people. I was never... I hadn't been sort of quote-unquote clubbing because I'm a 45-year-old man. But, my God, I want it. I want to dance outside somewhere very yeah, soon. I can hear the cats back. Okay, that's, okay. that's good. That's good that's news. So, yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm kind of... I mean, because I'm in awe of chefs and certain chefs and what they do, and I'm fascinated yeah. by by chefs and sort of stand-up comedians. So that's who I would get a bit tongue-tied. You're very sweaty tonight. With. That makes sense. Okay, I know, I know, mate. I'm just a person, Craig. <laughs> I'm just a man. I'm just a man. It's fine. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's just. I mean, it wasn't an answer to any question. It was just that's where I would. Um, Stumble. Yeah. But I think it's a perfectly natural reaction to be starstruck a little bit and it'd be a bit... Because maybe it's somebody that you really look up to or you admire and you you want... Especially if you're conducting an interview with them. This you is the want thing. Them to this be, is the thing. I want right. them to like me and I want them to open up. And this is the problem. So if I'm talking to someone I really like and I have a fear that they're not going to like me and I have a fear that, they're, that I'm going to say something that, that crosses the line. Because I do say the first question that comes into my head. I don't plan anything. Do you plan for these interviews? I uh, plan how I'm going to kick it off. Yeah. yeah. Fine. And then hopefully it's going to... Hopefully after that sort of 10 minutes... We've broken the ice and we've got a bit of a report yeah. and then we can go. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I always I always plan the uh, the opener yeah. and then as we're going through, then I go, right, okay, how are we going to sort of wind this up on a nice, lovely button and it makes mm. it, hopefully it's complete. Oh, it's satisfying when that happens, isn't it? <sighs> <laughs> no feeling quite like it. So nice. No feeling, although also there's no feeling quite like the panic of, we don't, this isn't wrapping up well. No feeling. It's like, oh, I've got to think of her. How do I? How do I find the? Point? Yeah, I don't know. If I've. Have you ever had, or conducted an interview where it's just been a car crash, or it hasn't worked? Um, no, I've been very, very lucky. Touch words. No, I've, I've done a few junkets at Magic where I've like, like, interviewed like Jim Carrey for fifteen minutes. Oh yeah, but, but yeah, but it's not like the joyous. Did you meet Jim Carrey? Well, no, I was I witnessed him for fifteen minutes. That's a better way of describing it. Yeah, I mean, because I've I turned down all yes. press junkie yes. interviews because they're no they're, they're no use to me or the people that listen to this podcast no. because I don't do fifteen minutes and I, I'm not going to Claridge's oh, and be on that wheel. Okay, Craig Park Hansen. Craig Parkinson, yeah. you're on, okay. Yeah, you... Yeah. I mean, yeah. what's the point? I'll tell you what, those... You know what makes those junkets even worse? Doing those on a Zoom. I've done a couple of those as a Zoom, and I got... God, who was I interviewing the other day? Some Someone I'd never heard of who's, who'd written a book that was awful, and I had to ask them about their career as a singer and the PR person from LA. So she was in, she was in London, and the PR person in LA right. jumped in 
just appeared on the Zoom, said, no, we're, we're, she's not a singer anymore. We don't talk about that. No. And like, just blocked me. And I was like, oh my God. I just, oh. I was so angry. I was so fucking angry. And that, that was a, that was a really unpleasant moment. And that was, that was the uh, realization of my interview anxiety that I have on every interview that people are just going to go, just, just fucking don't, don't cross the line, mate. You get back in your box. Yeah. I mean, you know what? I'm going to just go back on something now because I don't think I was starstruck, but I certainly had higher levels of anxiety than normal. And I had to get up at 5.30 in the morning to interview Nicole, Nicole Kidman. Kidman. Amazing. What a, what a right? game. He did it beautifully. Which, which, was, which was on, which was a Zoom yeah. thing, right? Because she was in Australia and obviously I was here in Manchester. Um, and I'd stupidly, stupidly read an interview with her in... The New York Times the night before. Not a good idea, is it? It's not a good idea. Oh, my God. No. Because it fills you... I mean, she was... Yeah. She was lovely. She was lovely. But the interviewer was prodding and poking, and he was trying to get a rise out of her. And I just thought, oh, I'm coming on this. This is the only... But I still, I had, you know... (laughs) The cat's going nuts. (laughs) It's about to be an earthquake or something. Forty-five minutes with her, which was, you know, an acceptable length. That's the of minimum, time. isn't it? But yeah, the that minimum. was. That would be the minimum. That I said to her that that would be the half expecting them to turn around and go. No, she can do twenty. I went, well, go and do something <laughs> else. Then it's not from you know, in the most pompous way possible. Thinking because they've done it before, and they just walk away and go. No, we can only do twenty. I went well, just go and do something. I really else. want to. There's I really other. want to see more of that, Craig Parkinson. I love that that version of you that goes fine. <laughs> Or whatever, just slightly, slightly uh, camp. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Gets the fan out. Just sort of yeah, gets, yeah, gets yeah, the fan yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like him. I like him. I think he'd have a cake. There's other podcasts <laughs> for you. <laughs> exactly. This is not the podcast <laughs> you're yeah, looking yeah, exactly. for. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, God. So, Tom, if we have to be cruel yeah. and we have to lose one family. of your chosen one of my careers, family. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, I've never liked her. Uh, sorry, what? Um, <laughs> we have to lose yeah. one. We can't do one anymore. We have to put one to and bed. And never do it again. And, it, and never do oh, it again. Mate. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that um, it's definitely, definitely going to be... Oh, my God. Oh, my God, I can't do it. This is really hard. Oh, no, you the have idea to do of, it. This is... Oh, God. I, I know I will do... Okay, so so it is like looking at your children and like stand-up is the one that I want to see the least because it's high maintenance and, and requires a lot of me, but I know I need to spend time with that child to make everything else mm. work in my life. Like I, that stand-up is the kind of the core training and then you've got live radio presenting, which I just love, and you've got the podcast, which I adore, and you've got acting, which I long to do all the time. Oh, my God! Okay, so I, I, it would probably have to be live radio presenting if I had to do that. Ah, oh, uh, price. I'm shocked. You <laughs> so chose am that. I. So am I. Because live radio presenting is the only one that really pays consistently and is like a proper job in that sense. You know, you've got a gig for you know you sign like a two year contract. Imagine that. I'd never mm. signed a contract before in my life before I got the job on Magic, and suddenly I had a two year contract. So um, you know, casting all financial worries aside, it, it would be that one. But very re- regretfully. Um, 
I'm sorry that we've put an end to your radio broadcasting career on this episode, Tom. My listeners are But that's just the way it is. Um, I'm just going to give magic. <laughs> let them know, live on air. And let, let them know. That would be, that'd be great. You're not coming back at the Do you remember like when uh, DLT left Radio 1 years ago, back in the early 90s? Remember Dave Lee Travis? The, the Harry Conflict. And he went off on that massive speech, did like a 15-minute speech about the blue whales all dying. Do you remember that? And they had to run into the studio, and they were just in the studio going, fucking mic's down. Pull him, pull, pull him. Yeah. One of those. I'll do one of those. I'll explain on Saturday morning. I did a podcast the other day. I think if you're going to go, you know, go down in flames. Give them some truths. Couple, couple of truth bombs. Play Phil Collins. Leave the room. Tom Price, you've been absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for friend. having me. What an honour. And another episode is done. What an absolute delight Tom Price is. Um, if you fancy it, go listen to him on Magic FM. If he's out and about soon, stand up, go support him. But more importantly, go listen to My Mate Bought a Toaster, available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, it's a really good, fun listen. Uh, and if you're having a bit of a blue day, um, I can heartily recommend it um well i guess what we should do is um go and get on with our week try and be as positive as we can with what life is throwing at us and uh should meet you back here next week mm? i am off to go and scour the internet for roller skating tutorials no not for me i uh, I've given myself the task of teaching a ten-year-old boy how to roller skate. Roller skate, not roller blade, roller skate. Um, so I've got some research the day before we get down to the park. Until then, do take care of yourself, and we'll see you next week. I've been Craig Parkinson, he's been producer Griff, and this has been the Two Shot Podcast. Thanks so much for downloading. Take it easy. I'll see you next week. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. Cheers.